The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Good afternoon, ladies and, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you can hear me. I hope you're doing well and staying safe, additionally. Uh, it is great pleasure that I'm here today to participate in the opening ceremony of today's webinar, HR Leadership in Time in a Time of Crisis, with our expert trainer, Mr. Ron Thomas. My name is Nashat, and I'm a senior training consultant over here at Leoron. I'll be uh, present to ensure that everything runs smoothly. So if you have any, any questions in regards to to the topics and the webinar, don't hesitate to contact me. Before, before we start, I would like to introduce our expert trainer, uh, Mr. Ron Thomas. And uh, I'm pleased to announce that Mr. Ron is one of our leading experts at Leoron on topics uh, such as HR, HR workforce planning, HR anal analytics, and in-depth training when it comes to HR, et cetera. Uh, additionally, Mr. Ron Thomas has been cited by CIPD as one of the top five thinkers uh, when it comes to HR in the uh, MENA region. He has a global HR background that spans in many industries, cultures, and countries, including such as India, China, Brazil, Dubai, Saudi Arabia, uh, Africa and and Europe as well. Uh, Ron is currently working in Dubai as Chief Executive uh, Officer at Great Place to Work. Uh, if if you have any questions uh, during the webinar, please write them down in the questions sections questions uh, section located in the control panel, and uh, Mr. Thomas will be responding to your questions by uh, with answers during the uh, the uh, the webinar we will have a break of two or three minutes to answer questions that have been listed from your side and as well at the end of uh, the session kindly note that uh, after attending the session today each and uh, one of you will be receiving a certificate of attendance in your emails. And uh, that's it from my side. Thank you all for, uh, for joining. And I wish you a, a very informative and uh, beneficial session ahead. Ron, you, you might, might proceed with, uh, with the session. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Nishat, for that uh, intro. Uh, one correction. Uh, Four years ago, I was CEO for Great Place to Work. Uh, to give you a little more background, I've been in human resources coming close to uh, 20 years. And I started in human resources uh, as a trainer uh, working for IBM. And that kind of got me into the training in, uh, field. So I started as a trainer and that progressed to a corporate training manager uh, for Martha Stewart Living in New York. I worked there for almost 10 years and I ended up as Vice President of Human Resources. I left Martha Stewart, I went to uh, Xerox, uh, heading up one of their consulting practices, uh, Talent and HR Solutions. So I've had the 
practical work, and then I looked at it also from the consulting side, and it was quite a, a great mix between those two, because from the consulting side, you're all, you're consistently focused on finding solutions to clients' problems, which is they they were coming to me inside of a corporate setting, you would give me your issues and my role was to solve those. So that worked for a while. And so I left there and uh, I, as, as I was working for Xerox, I came in one day and there was an email in my inbox and it was from a, a search firm based in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, wanting to find out whether I would be interested in, in coming to Saudi Arabia as chief Human Resources and Administrative Officer, and I jumped. I jumped at that, that opportunity, and I interviewed for it. And eventually, I, I got the job, and so I moved to Saudi. I lived in Saudi for a year and a half. Lived in Riyadh for. A year. And then the opportunity came up for CEO of Great Place Team over, and I moved to Dubai, where I work now, in my office uh, here that I'm speaking from. And eventually, I pulled out and started my own firm, Strategy Focus Group. That is very dear to my heart, and I'm going to talk about this through the lens of COVID, because that has, has completely disrupted the world. But it also showed uh, fissures within our profession. In other words, cracks in our profession, because the different skill set is going to be needed from HR moving forward. If we think of post-virus, if there is such a thing, a post-virus to the new normal, how are we going to organizations to this new mountaintop? And by that I mean there's so many issues that's facing an organization. And we are considered, or should be considered, the people experts inside of the organization. So I'm going to take a minute here and, and, and pull my screen up on my slides. Just bear with me for a second. So we are the uh, people experts. So as a CFO, as a CMO, as a CIO, CTO, CCC, we're the chief human resource officer mindset. How do we guide our organization? How do we offer the people strategy to move the organization into this new normal? Everyone is coming to the table talking about their, their transitioning from their expertise to the organization. What are we going to talk about? And how are we going to begin to guide that? So that's going to be the premise of what I'm going to be talking about. And as we see here, I, I named that the HR leadership in a time of crisis. To give us some context, we're no different than a factory worker whose factory may be automated within the next few years. We're no different from people in the retail business that their entire livelihood has been upended because of e-commerce. And if you've been in retail, brick and mortar store, and that's your operation, do we have the skill sets to 
move into an e-commerce model. In other words, what is the business model going to look like post-virus? Airline, what's the airline business going to look at post-virus? Emirates Airlines just had a major layoff the other day. Uh, British Airways laid off 22,000 people a few weeks back. And these are the kind of things that's happening. So when these things happen, we got to have to consider what is the future of the workplace going to look like? Now, every day, if you follow the business news, there's headlines. And here's just a few. Airbnb laid off 25% of their staff. Airline industry is kind of tinkering around with seating arrangements. They're saying, can we operate if the middle seat is removed to apply social distancing? From a financial perspective, that's not going to work. But can an airline operate up 50% capacity? If you are in that airline business, you should start thinking now, what is the impact of your, your industry is number one. And this is how you kind of cascade that down through a filter. What is the impact of the industry? If I come down one step further, what is the impact of your business? What is the impact of the workplace? And what audience is going to be impacted? Now, we've gone through four steps. And that first step started with your industry perspective. And the question I tend to ask people in the HR sector is that how many of you follow your industry? That could be through an industry association. That could be through, through a magazine or a digital product that focuses on the industry you're in. So if you're in business, it could be around the airline. If it's retailing or banking or whatever it is, it could be talking about the new model. What is the governance behind it? Because the governance may, if a, if, a, if a retail bank, excuse me, is moving to a cloud bank, there's governance over that. So how is that going to impact the workers? And how is that going to impact my organization? So in walking through and cascading that, you can kind of begin filtering it out. One of the greatest learning points is, especially from our side, and we're the people experts inside of the organization. And I say that and I mean that because we're, you should see yourself as the people expert. The same with the finance people, they're financial experts or the marketing experts or the technology experts. Sometimes we ourselves are not convinced that we're that expert. So how and what are we going to offer from the people side as to how we're gonna drive this. Each one of these topics were in the news. So I say a self-learning is that reading the business section of your newspaper. This is another question I asked. How many of you from time to time will glance at the business headlines? What are the workforce implications of the headlines? And that's a mindset shift. As you move into that mindset and begin looking at issues that way, it keeps you kind of on point and it kind of develops a, a, a capability to understand beyond the headlines and getting down into the workforce and the implications thereof. 
there was a headline uh, a few months back, which basically talked to everything that I tend to talk about when I ask those questions. And the headlines was, Tesla opens new factory in Belgium, in Brussels, I think it was. So we use that as a case study in one of the sessions that I run. I run a strategic human resources session. And we had to analyze that. Why did they choose Belgium? What workers were they going to need in Belgium? What skills and capabilities would they need? What is the governance of Belgium? What is the market share of Tesla in Belgium? Why did they choose Belgium? And we did about a one-hour exercise on that, and all of a sudden, the people it just started popping up. The reason they decided to locate in Belgium was because the skills that they were looking for, they had a higher proliferation of those skill sets and in universities in Belgium. The business case behind moving to Belgium because the factory was based in California. And in order to get a, a car from California to the UK or Europe, there were heavy tariffs on those cars coming in. If someone ordered a special car, that time to delivery was elongated because of the fact it took time to ship it over. So the business case was we go where the business is and we locate the business there. And then they looked at skill set as to what would be needed. What type of engineers would we need in that particular uh, area? What schools were turning out a higher ratio of those engineers? And when you walk through each one of those, you see why the business decision was made to move to Belgium. And it was eye-opening to the participants because Lots of times we see a headline and we may not give thought to what was human resources role in driving that. And we have to, if we're the people experts and your CEO came in or you were sitting in a business meeting and, and they were looking to locate a factory in some country, all of that would be the expertise we would bring to bear on that problem and we begin to finding a solution of where we're gonna set this factory that's gonna need to hire 5,000 people. Where could we find 5,000 people with these, within these job families to open up? And that was the reason they did that. So all of these headlines will always have implications above that, future of the workplace. The other component of the future of the workplace is what's happening to our people that are now working from home. I've, I've been on three Zoom WebEx type calls all day. This is my last one. All day, starting at nine o'clock this morning. What's the impact of that? Can we continue to do Zoom calls back to back? I've heard people say from the time they get up till the time they go to bed at night, Zoom, WebEx, Skype, whatever you call it, Google Meet, whatever you call it. But meanwhile, you're talking to, into a computer and you close down one and you go to another. What's the impact of that? So from the human capital side, your people are struggling. A whole host of issues, they read the news, they know about people that are being laid off. 
They're hearing rumors. Rumor mill works and operates 24-7. What's the new work model? I really enjoy working from home. Work-life balance. I don't have to commute. The hour one way, hour home. Hey, this is cool. But if they make a decision to say, no, everybody has to come back home, has to come back to the office. I don't feel safe in the office. Maybe I find a new job. Well, I lose my job once we get back. So the airlines has been laying off people overnight. The hotel industry is basically closed here. What happens to the people that are still there? If this ever opens back up, will I be unemployed? Will my skills be needed in the next cycle? And lastly, I'm so stressed with all these meetings. Now, what this tells us that managers in a virtual environment are going to have to be a little more adaptive in understanding what's happening to our people. Asking questions. Getting a sense of how, how well they're doing. Because they may be on a Zoom call, but they may be Zooming out because of some of these type issues. And then you may find some people that say, I can't wait to go back because I don't have the space to work from home. Some friends of mine in Tokyo were saying the same thing because the apartments are smaller. Husband and wife, both are working from home, but you've got a small apartment. Husband always talks loud. She shushes him down, creates disturbance in the household. All of these things are affecting us. So what is the new model going to look like? What is the new model for leadership going to look like? How are we going to prepare managers to manage virtual teams? That could be an educational component. What are we capturing now from the time this started? When did you go on lockdown? What date was that? How many check-ins have you done since that time? I interviewed a CEO the other day from a hospital in Abu Dhabi. And he told me that every day when the day's over, he sits down and he writes in his journal what worked that day, what did not work, what do I need to improve the next day? Who have I identified that really stepped up to the plate? He says, I'm putting all of this together because I'm going to have a game plan once we get stuff back to somewhat normal. And there's going to be some changes made. There's going to be some people I'm looking at and seeing good things about, and there's people I'm looking at that's not doing great things. So there may be some shakeups because I need a new level of leader, a new level of manager moving forward. But from a training and educational background, how are you going to develop managers in a virtual environment? What skills are needed? How do we run a workshop for to get people to understand and get better equipped to deal in a work environment that's basically online? So there's some development components that are popping up. There's development components as it relates to technology. What platform will we be, will be using? Are your people satisfied with the work from home model? Because just maybe, and I heard this on a call earlier today, I heard it last week, a lot of the 
people that are working from home are complaining about excess costs because the lights on now when the lights used to be up all of a sudden my electrical bill could go up maybe my laptop is an older laptop from a technology perspective maybe we need to get uh new hardware for uh has more bandwidth or whatever it is to conduct online sessions to conduct online meetings so all of these things are coming about but leaders inside are going to have to figure out the new role of the leader you know moving forward so i looked at it from a perspective of global mega trends in other words these are the disruptors growing the uh, accelerating to change the way we work uh, and work itself i i was just telling uh before we started we had a call setting up everything and I was telling Nishad, I said, I've been on three calls today prior, and each one used a different platform. So you got to prep it to see if I click here, here's how I show my screen, here's how the questions come in. Each one is different. Which what is going to be our technology of choice? That's the IT department or whatever you call them now. They're going to have to solve that. New skills, learning and development, what new skills are going to be needed. Changing employee expectation, leadership team, uh, human resources team. How, how is this going to work moving forward? Work from home. The other thing that's popping up now, work from anywhere. But then you have the fixed mindset that says, no, I gotta have people come back to the office because I know they're not working. But one of the things that's, that's popping up is that people are more productive now because the office environment is a very disruptive place. You find people coming by talking about what they did the night before or just workplace chatter, which pulls time away from the work I'm doing. There's a, there's a, there's a statistical model that says if you are in a zone working, someone comes in the door and engages you in a conversation for a half hour, in order for you to get back to the spot you were, the same energy level you were moving for is gonna take you double. So a half hour is an hour. So think how many times that happens inside of a workplace. But if I'm from home, I'm zeroing in total focus. And that could change in certain households because maybe you have kids or other distractions, but for the most part. So what's the new work model going to look like? Is it gonna be a hybrid? Um, the first week we were, lockdown was lifted in Dubai, we could come back in and I think 30% of the workforce was allowed to come in. And then when it went into full lockdown, 50% were in. So now, now we're in, uh, I'm sorry, when the lockdown was lifted and everybody could come back and it was gradually coming back. So what is that model going to look like? Remember employee expectation, they're saying we could do more of this. Challenging business environment. If your business was customer facing, maybe you can't see customers anymore. Maybe the conversation is now virtual. And in crisis management, the CEO said, I'm taking notes every day. If you're in a leadership role, you should be doing the same. I also interviewed a, a friend of mine, um, Kanal Walheim, and Kanal is the, uh, head of HR for the region for, for Troy Trims. 
he's basically saying the same things, things he's watching, things he's making note of. How can this change move, move forward? How can we be in a better shape? Who am I talking to? Consistency. Because the leadership model is changing and you have to be proactive as opposed to reactive. So from it's kind of, it could have been in your organization a fixed mindset, and now you're moving into a more mindset, more engaging to people, transparency. You're sharing your thoughts. You're asking them for help. We may be thinking about work from home model models, and we need you to give us some insight. Maybe we impound some groups. Maybe we do some surveys, and we ask what worked, what did not work, what can we do better. Always a great way to try and analyze a problem from that three-step model, red light, green light, kind of. And that's the growth mindset, managing different trajectories that's, that's coming towards you, employee expectations, models, all the things that you're gonna be working on, cost, maybe redundancies are coming up. So I showed you on the prior slide, Zoom layoffs. If you were to Google Zoom layoffs, you see some of the most amazing heartless stories of how companies have laid off people via Zoom. Is that the right way to do it? In engaging, engaging, engaging? Or is there a better way to do that? Um, because people are watching, the press is watching, the press gets wind of it. Weight Watchers laid off a whole slew of people and people locked into the call, had no idea what the call was about. And when they got on the call, it was a recorded message of some type, basically said that the people on the call, if you're on the call, you're going to be laid off. Or you are officially laid off. HR will follow up. And basically that was it. And you know, people were shell-shocked versus Airbnb. And if you get a chance, I want you to search Airbnb um, layoff letter. Uh, and the gentleman's name is, if you search Airbnb, Brian Chesky, C-H-E-S-K-Y, layoff letter, and read the letter, because the letter was all over the news, and it says, if you have to lay off people, do it right. Here's a textbook case of how to do it. He wrote a long letter to all of his employees, letting them know that they were going to be closing down some divisions. But if you read the letter, you can almost feel the hurt as to how he's talking about how he did not sleep, how he's uncomfortable, how he feels bad about what's about to happen. But that energized the people that is going to be there to try to carry the, it, it into this new model. And it also gave people that were leaving a full understanding of why this was happening. And they walked away with a financial component, they were going to pay them through, I forget the, the specific time frame, but they were going to be taken care of for a few months out to the end. If I'm not mistaken, it was till the end of the year, something like that. But they did it the right way. And, and when you do that, your brand value increases. People would want to work there once it opens back up because they would hear about the culture that you built inside of that organization. Again, leadership is going to be necessary to drive change. Empowering people versus not controlling people. Controlling people says 
we do it this way because we've always done it this way. Empowering people will say, let's figure this out. We're thinking about working from home and we wanna get your input as we design a program to work from home or work from anywhere or whatever factors is disrupting you, you engage the audience segment that is going to be impacted. So when I walk you through the cascading and I said workforce implication, the next step from that is the audience is impacted. And I go ask them, the closer you get to the audience, the better your solutioning will always be. If you solution by conference room, in other words, you get all the so-called leaders in the room and you solve a workforce issue that affects everyone outside of the door and you did not ask the people outside of the door, there's a higher prob probability that that's gonna be what's called a design fail. It's not going to work and people are not going to buy in because you didn't ask them. You just kind of shoved it down. So empowering is a new key. It's not new. Some companies have been doing that for a long time. But if you think of a fixed mindset where you have leaders in that mindset that says, we will do it this way, that's not going to work in the so-called future state of most important. I mean, the future state of the organization. And you look at the next level here, said middle level are the new senior leaders. This has come from essential workers, from the hospitals, as the CEO talked to me about nurses who has really stepped up to the point and how they were just leading this organization. I just kind of stood back and watched them in action. They weren't, in a lot of cases, they weren't supervisory nurses. So I say one of the things that happens in times of complex change, leaders will bubble to the top without a portfolio, without a title, and they just kind of take charge and do things. Those are your new senior leaders. The logistics sector of organizations, and this came up when, when we had the conversations with the Chortram's head, Canal, and he talked about logistics. How do you get items from a warehouse to every grocery store during lockdown and you only have a, a pass to get come outside for a few hours? The logistics sector has bubbled to the top. And basically what it is is the essential worker is the new strategic workforce. And if we think of strategic workforce planning, it's always about critical roles. And we look at the critical roles and we have 10 across and we say, who's ready now? How many people can move into those roles? If we're developing a pipeline and maybe we have out of 10, maybe so that means your organization is at a risk of 80%, which is very, very high. That means 80% of your strategic initiatives could go out of the door if the people above that were to leave. Essential workers, the cashiers, who, if you were in a lockdown area, and from what I understand, a lot of people here from various parts of the Middle East or whatever, um, think of the, the cashiers who were on the front line dealing with all the people that were coming in from every place and they did their jobs. How do we compensate maybe for what they went through 
so that the rest of the population could survive. The new workforce is the essential worker. So here I have, let me just close this here because this is a, eight forces shaping the future of work. So I've talked through these, some of these before, but I want you to notice the quote I have here. There will be leaders who will always emerge out of a crisis like this. In any crisis, you will see people stepping up to the plate without portfolio. And when I say without portfolio, without the big title. And under each one of these, from an HR leadership perspective, you should be thinking about what plan would you put together for technology change from the people side? What are people struggling with? How is technology enabling you to do your job? What problems are you having? Are you talking to those people that are working from home? This is a great time to do a survey. It's a great time to maybe carve out a focus group and start working on these things. Kind of like the CEO says, I take notes every day. If you're in HR leadership, what notes have you been taking? What are you seeing as common themes? What are some common themes that's popping up in the industry you're in? What are you hearing from your peers in human resources? Now is fact-finding time? Because eventually you will be called to the floor to say, okay, give us your plan for this new normal. We're gonna be opening back up July 1st, August 1st. Give me the people strategy behind the new reopening. Can you or will you be able to step up to the plate? So there's a favorite quote of mine that I love and it's uh, Robert Frost. And the name of it, it says, it's the best of times, Charles Dickens, I'm sorry. It's the best of times and it's the worst of times. So that's kind of the way that human resources sits. It's the best of time if you want to transition from a process executor to a strategic leader, from an HR person, persona, to a business persona. The key is try and position yourself to be viewed as a business leader, number one. But your expertise happens to be in human resources. The marketing person sees themselves as business people, but their expertise is marketing. Technology sees themselves as business people, understanding the business ramifications, but the expertise they bring to the table is around technology. Each one of these could require bullet points. And what are you capturing? Employee expectations. They've been exposed to something now. If you were in full lockdown before the virus and full lockdown means you did not allow people to work from home. And now they can work from home and it's proving this working and you're busy trying to figure out, I wanna see them because if I see them, I know they're working. There's, there's less productivity in any office than you'll find from a person working out of another kind of model, even if it's a Starbucks. So working from home does not always have to be working from an office that could be working from the corner coffee shop. But why should you care as long as the KPIs are being met and as long as the response roles and responsibilities are being done 
does it care that you care where it's going to they're going to work from is that really a part of the equation the u.s patents office did an experiment and they were trying to tinker around with working from home or working from anywhere and working from anywhere means that the u.s patents office is located in washington dc high high living costs but maybe I could move back to my hometown in Oklahoma in the middle of the US and work from there because a lot of that work on patents is done on from an individual contributor perspective. And what they found was that when they gave people the opportunity to work from anywhere, some people had aging parents and maybe I could move back and kind of be a caregiver, but I would be there in the town my parents are located as opposed to getting on a flight for three to four hours. Engagement level was increasing and people were more productive. Companies are experimenting with four day work weeks. And the people that experimented with it, they found in every case study I've read, the productivity increased from a minimum of 25% to the highest I've seen was 40%, 140% increase. It just changing the work model. But again, it comes back to the fixed mindset of leaders. Transition to work model, evolving business, how is that going to look? Crisis management, workforce disruption. You take any one of these and you say, what's the workforce implication? What audience would be impacted? And that's how you begin to start. It works that way every time. And when we were, would develop uh, consultants, we did that. We said, uh, industry, business, workforce, audience impacted. Segment the audience. Segmenting the audience means just what job titles are gonna be affected. And that was the way they began the process of doing that. So the other thing that's coming out with, from the best of time perspective, it talks about the competencies of human resources today. And the competencies of human resources have changed drastically. Here's the model of competency for human resources. If you notice, there's only one slice here that says the process piece, HR expertise, HR knowledge one but there's eight other areas the number one in every survey every survey number one is always going to come down to business acumen in other words being the business person and then if we kind of walk around that we see as, as always we'll start with consultation consultation means what is the challenges of the workforce what are the challenges from the previous slide? Your CEO or the leadership team pulls you into your office and says, workforce models, technology, we want you to go back, take a look at some of the disruptors and come back with a people strategic plan as to how we're going to address those. Because we're lucky to get back on track. So your, your area of expertise is going to be around the human capital side. You're going to give us kind of a roadmap as to how we're going to develop that. So that's consultation. Excuse me. That's critical evaluation. 
leadership navigation throughout the organization, navigating the C-suite, navigating and understand who the influencers are in the, inside of the organization. How do we communicate that? Think of human resources as the nucleus. Above that, we have leadership, and below that, we have employees. So we're that interchange point, that major toll gate, either coming or going, and how do we interpret from one level, filter it through, and provide solution to the top level? How do your top level come to you? You analyze what they're talking about, of what they, their challenge is. You, you come up with some possible solution by coming down here and talking to those people. And then you go back and you provide a solution to that. So you, you have numerous challenges moving forward. And there's no need to sit back and wait. Proactive always has more value than being reactive. Proactive means I'm watching things now and I'm researching things now and I will provide a solution within six weeks. Or if the CEO, that team says, I need you to come back with, to us in three weeks to a month with the people's strategy plan to take it to the next level. So leadership in your role, if you're a leader now, or even if you're not a leader, begin honing the skills now so that when the opportunity exit, uh, propels itself, you're ready to step into that role. Uh, someone has noticed you. CEO says, I'm noticing people who are stepping up to the plate. Be one of the ones who are stepping up to the plate and you're doing things uh, from a future state perspective, or guiding into a future state perspective. So the four areas of leadership development for the future. Are you ready now? Ask yourself that question. Am I ready to be a leader in this time of crisis? Can I really take on this new role with all of these responsibilities? If you say that you doubt that, what are you doing to propel yourself to become ready? So if you're not ready, what are you doing now to become ready? You're working from home, you're saving two hours a day or whatever that commute time is. What are you doing now to prepare yourself for the next level? I'll give you my example. When we were locked down, I got back to reading books again. I, every, all of the books that I had, I said, I'm going to start reading. But I found it was hard for me to read because I had so many other things on my mind. So what I started doing was I went back to a, an app I had was Audible and Audible reads the books to you. And I found that worked because every morning I try and walk six or a maximum of seven miles, it takes about hour and a half to two hours. So for me to be ready, I wanted to look at human resources leadership from all angles and all of the books that I had been wanting to read I listen to them now, and it takes me about three days of listening, and I can go through a book, six or seven hours. So if you don't feel that you're ready now, self-evaluation, self-assessment, or ask your manager to say, I really wanna be a leader. What do you think I need to work on? It's okay to ask that question. 
And then you look at what they're saying you need to work on. You look at what you say you need to work on and you choose based on your side. I want to do this. If I say one, two, three, four, here's what I want to work on first. This next one says, immerse yourself into the future. What is the future of the role you're playing? What is the future of your organization? Think of uh, the retail side. And retail has had massive bankruptcies in US. Major chains, JCPenney's, Neiman Marcus. And all, Neiman Marcus is a, is a huge brand, um, top tier bankruptcy. So many of them are going out. So it, for you to be future oriented, if I'm in retail, I need to build my capabilities up around e-commerce, understanding e-commerce model, read everything I can read about how businesses are transitioning into that. You're building up brand value that you can talk to business leaders about what that future may look like. How, what is your industry going to look like three to five years out? So in strategic workforce planning, you always work from a future state perspective. Scenario planning. Scenario planning says in, we're projecting in two to three years, it may look like this. So if you know it's going to look like this, if you don't have the skills of here is how it's going to look like this, you have to develop those skills and start preparing yourself. Immersive learning experiences to become more marketable into the future. I say more marketable. I'm not saying you're going to lose your job, but what I'm saying is what if? What if that happens? Reflect back on your leadership journey. Where are you now? If you have gone and made some steps and you may have gone from supervisor to manager, what did you learn from that? So the CEO says, I'm learning now every day. So that, 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 that CEO was using this time as a learning experience. What am I learning from the people that report to me? What am I learning from the workforce as I walk around and see people stepping up? What does your leadership journey look like? If you had to catalog or do an audit of the jobs you've had in the past, what did you learn and take away from each one? And if you had to look and build those capabilities that you learned from each one over, say, six years, seven years, eight years, and you listed all of those, what do I need to do to get to the next level? So if that is the current and you go to future, what are the skills gap in the center that I need to work on? And then you're returning to the present, immersing yourself, skills by immersing yourself into the future. Where you've been to the past, where you're headed to the future, and understanding everything there is to know about that. So from the, the HR side, we're going to be busy. And busy means that we need to be ready for the new challenge that's going to be needed inside of our organization because we're the experts. And if we're the experts, we have to come in that room and walk them through a coherent people strategy. So it's okay to say talent management strategy, but you know, what is talent management strategy is going to look like COVID-19 version of that. And if you notice on webinars that are advertising now, everything is centered around COVID-19. Leadership in a COVID-19 world. All of these kinds of webinars that they're offering now, you have to anchor it because if you're just talking the same kind of development that would happen pre-virus, it's already outdated 
It's already outdated. The style is gone. So three key futures that HR must address. Workplace, that's the side of your organization. Future of the enterprise, this looks at the industry and your place within that industry and the future of how work gets done. Now, so I always work from kind of a de dependency model. So if I said the future of the workplace, it would, I would, could possibly list those eight that we were talking about. Future of the enterprise, I would say, where's our business model going to look like in five years? From retail to e-commerce, from the bank on the corner to the bank in the cloud. All of these things are going to be affected. The future of how work gets done, what bullet points would I put under there? New work model, work-life balance, whole host of things. And even if you just begin the process of, 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 of putting them in, when I say dependency model, all I mean is that putting bullet points under each one, and those bullet points depend upon the title up top, and you just brainstorm about it. And as you begin to look at it, you make it come back and tweet and say, no, that wouldn't probably work because in our situation is different, and you go back and you put something else in. If you begin to prepare yourself in getting ready, and if you're in the HR space, this is all yours, best of times. Worst of time is that I'm afraid to even talk about it because I'm not ready to talk about it. And if someone told me that, I would say, oh, that's cool. Because my next question would be, so what are you doing about it? Walk me through your plan as to how you're going to strengthen yourself or to get in better shape. Because you're going to have to begin thinking through it from that perspective. Reimagining uh, HR post-crisis, post-COVID. Because the future of our organization is going to require a new human resource strategic focus. And I mean really, really strategic focus now. Uh, there's no way to get around it. It's affecting everybody. When it, All you have to do is follow the businesses. You'll see how there's a lot of things that's going to have to change. And the, you can't go back to the same model that you had before. It may work, or you may be, or your leaders may be so fixed on trying to hold down the new, the normal to what it was before. That's not even a reference point because if you don't make changes to your work model, people are going to leave. And don't think because companies are laying off, if you're talented in your area of expertise, people will always hire you. So it's going to demand a lot of new skills. And going back to the competency model, how will all of this change and influence the enterprise workplace and how can HR take the lead? Eight, what's the story behind it? How can we tell a story? How can we begin solving those issues? And basically what it means is that HR has to play a critical role in order to make this happen. Here's why. So leadership says in August, we're going to have an offsite. And we're going to work through our post-COVID strategy. Everyone is going to play a role. Excuse me, oper oper uh, operations, I need a plan. Technology, I need a plan. Marketing, I need a plan. Finance, I need a plan. Human resources, I need a plan. 
And I purposely left that sitting out there because that's going to depend on the eight disruptors or whatever disruptors you may have and how you're going to make all of that fit into here if we're in the future of the workplaces. Here's our strategy, one, two, three. How are you going to make this fit within this model? So here's, I read a research paper the other day because this came up on a call today. Let me just read this to you. From the financial side, uh, Gartner survey, 74% of CFOs say they plan to make remote work a permanent part of their workforce because of cost management. Do I really need three floors of, for people? If people are working from home, that's a huge cost savings. 74% of CFOs that were surveyed said that they were going to look more into look into more of a new model of work. And see how they're already thinking through that. And I'm sure if they were to survey operating technology, marketing, finance, well, finance we just talked about, they would also be looking through their lens. But normally, the people who are kind of slow to the table is the human resources side. Because we tend to, and I'm just talking generally now, you may work in a human resources department that's ahead of the curve, that's seen as real business partners. For the most part, we're kind of in the departments, human resources departments are kind of in a reactive mode. Someone comes to us and gives us a finding or a concern, and then we go out and solve it. Even if you solve it, the value will go back to the person that gave it to you because it solidified what they said. But if you were the ones to see it and you notice the trend and you begin analyzing it, and were to solve it, then you have the brand value increase as a result of that. And this is just how things work today. And this is why it's important for us to think, uh, think through that. So, so what, with a, from a future focus of based in your area, your business, what is that going to look like? If you're in a factory floor, or maybe you have three floors, and everybody's in cubicles. And then we got a social distance. And then we got to wear gloves. And how do people feel about coming back into that environment? How are we going to allay their fears so that they feel comfortable in coming back and there's 100 people on the floor? And that's all this interaction going forward. One key point to think of is that there's no one size fit all. And best practices are only used to get a general understanding of what's happening in the workplace. Don't ever feel that you can take the best practice from one company and transition it into your company. Number one, it's a different culture. It could be a different work model. It could be a different mindset. It could be a whole lot of other things that looks good on paper and you try it inside your organization and it's a total uh, fail. So what HR levers would you push to develop a business outcome? So if I develop my managers 
to lead virtual teams and engage, 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 the engagement level goes up, productivity could go up, revenue could go up. See how I'm walking through? If I do this, this is what happens on the other side. In other words, I'm making the business case. Think of the CFO when he goes in or she goes in and makes that presentation and say, here's some potential cost savings. Here's how we can do that. If we were to change our workplace model, and I've worked with human resources on developing, developing this plan, if we were to change our work model and have a 20% model of people can work in, in, in the office at any given time, we can slash costs by releasing those two floors or three floors or whatever it is. Workforce is happy, we're happy, we're saving money. Workforce is engaged. Engaged workforce will always have a business outcomes because if it's customer facing, the engagement level between customer and employee is going to go up, which means there's a possibility of higher revenue going forward. And that's a people strategy. You just was walking through um, a different way of looking at it. So it's kind of like going to the gym. So the gyms were closed, and I've seen people online saying, oh my God, I'm eating all the time. I'm, I'm not in shape, and I'm doing this. And and my question will always come back. You can still work out in the house. What are you doing inside your house? Can you take a half hour and do something? Is your organization fit for the future? Okay, from the human capital side, think of your sector coming in. That's your area of expertise. Is the organization fit for the future from a people strategic perspective? Is it fit for the future? And that's the question you may be wanting to ask yourself. Am I developing an organization that's going to be fit for the future? Everything is future focused. Do I understand what the future looks like? If I don't, I can't develop an organization that's fit for the future. If I'm not following trends in my industry, if I'm not understanding the business challenges or the SWOT analysis of my organization, I can't build a fit for the future because it, you, you don't have the information you need to be inquisitive enough to figure out what is it going to take in, in moving the organization to the next level. How's that presentation going to look with everyone else in that pie? What is your, yours going to be? Are you going to speak in HR speak or are you going to speak in business language? And here's the, here's here's a, a key connector. The the level of messaging is dictated by the people sitting in front of the message. In other words, the audience will always dictate the message. If I'm talking to human resources, I can to people, I can talk in human resources speak. If I'm speaking to business leaders, and I'm talking in HR speak, you might as well be speaking German because they don't have no clue as to what you're talking about when you talk about time to fill or even something as simple as engagement level because they say, well, okay, so tell me what that means. Or can you tell me what that means when you say, when someone tells you that, they're telling you that you're speaking German. I'm just choosing German as a language because I heard that analogy earlier today. But basically, 
what they're telling you is that you're speaking German and I don't understand German. What is, are you going to talk to your strategy when we have that big meeting? Your continuity plans pre-virus was never, nothing was ever designed in the history of mankind to deal with what we've been dealing with now. And it's still not over. How are we going to communicate those plans? Are we listening to the employees' concerns? This CEO of the hospital said, I'm listening to us every day. I'm listening to this one. I'm talking to this one. I'm making my notes. That's what we're talking about. And if you're in human resources, how many people have you talked to? Have you done any surveys yet? Have you talked to people to poll them? So methods you could use, focus groups. You can do a Zoom focus group. Um, individual interviews with some of the influences inside of the organization. All these things can be done now and you begin pulsing. I call it pulsing because you're consistently taking the pulse of your organization. Aligning, aligning the organization, responding and communicating, arming its workforce with the right tools, technology. The laptops we have doesn't have the bandwidth. And I was on a call today and a person was talking and it was going in and out and then she had to log off and log back in again two or three times. You, you're working in that kind of environment, it's not effective. And your message is not gonna be heard. Do employees feel safe? What is the back to work safe care plan of the new office environment? Have you developed that yet? Have you given any thought to that? Dubai did an excellent model of how it should look based on certain industries. And I, when I saw that, I said, wow, the people that put this, that it was kind of like, you can't fail on this because we laid everything out for you. And I'm thinking if I'm inside of an organization and I'm looking to build this, I just take that plan and because there was no copyright on it. They just said, here's what you can use to do that. And I said, I'm going to use the same thing and maybe I can get a graphics person to come in and build this simple and I can walk you through that and communicate that plan to employees. And it looked almost something like an infographic. Doesn't take a lot of explaining and people can see. Here's what the feel safe back to work plan could possibly look like. Who will act as a primary voice? You've got different business segments. You can have a model of HRBPs in every segment. Will they be the primary voice? Who's going to determine that? You want somebody with the primary voice who are able to communicate. And that doesn't mean it always has to be the person that's in charge of that function. Because maybe that person doesn't exude confidence from a voicing perspective in communicating, and, and it's okay. If that's not my strong point in communicating, I can always get up and do the intro and say that um, Karen here is going to walk you through our plan. And I step aside. And Karen, being a great communicator, she walks it through. So never feel that you've got to play the role to do all these things. You might have someone that's very good in researching things. Have them do the research to see what's happening in the future of the industry. And you begin tapping on those resources within the organization. What is the protocol if someone is not feeling well or they have concerns? Who do they talk to? Who's going to be the primary voice to that? And if you're in recruiting, 
you know that in-person candidate interviews are not going to work. I was in Thailand right before, the week before the virus started, not the week before the virus started, but a week before Dubai closed down. And my plan was to leave Bangkok and fly into Kuala Lumpur to have a business meeting, and then I was going to fly back out of Kuala Lumpur. I couldn't fly to Kuala Lumpur because the chief human resource officer that I was going to meet with said, we're not allowing people from outside to come into our company. So let's just do a call, and we'll discuss it from there. So if your model is, is, is hiring people and bringing them in, maybe you're not hiring as many people, but how, are you, how is that new recruiting process going to work? Have you figured that out yet? May, may as well start with it now because it will pop its head up sometime. Open the flexible workforce pot. So these are just the bullet points that could fall under any of the eight ones that we talked about. HR should be front and center as a primary resource for employees at all levels throughout this crisis. What is the business committed to? What is the CEO's messaging about? CEO messaging. Here's three things. Every time you give a speech, a presentation to talk through, employee well-being, you're concerned about your workforce, we'll all get, to through, get through this together. Something along those lines. And you begin repeating it over and over again. Every piece of communication. How do we talk post-virus? We care for our people. We're going to do this. We're going to grin. Create forms for everyone to be heard and taken seriously. Focus group. Ask for volunteers. Foster a culture of empathy, understanding, transparency, provide managers with support and coaching around communication. A lot of managers are really struggling because they, they don't understand from the messaging and the communication of a virtual team. They've been so used to working and interfacing with people that when they have to manage their team from a virtual environment, the solution to that is begin developing managers for virtual skill set, uh, managing a virtual team. They got a lot of various courses around that. You're going to have to you're going to have to upskill them in this new work model. So managing the change process, I wanted to cover a little on change management because that's always a key point. And then we'll kind of open it up once I go through the change, because I'm, I'm sure some of you may have some questions. So let's just walk through this, um, because this is important. How do you manage change moving forward? So I want you to think of a model as a recipe. So if you were to search how to make cookies, chocolate chip cookies with walnuts. That's my favorite. You may find 20 different recipes, but it, each one of those will give you the same cookie. So a model is to be used the first time to get a hang of it. And then next time you're going to add a little more of this, take out this and add a little more of that. Because the model is meant to be adjusted. And this is how you manage a change process. Now, there's two categories of models, which I'm not going to go into. One says eight steps, follow eight steps. 
The other, and that's a Cotter model, and the other is Prosci ADCAR that says five steps. But each one of them says the first category, why are we doing this? And they say that 70% of change initiatives fail because of that first question, because you can't communicate the why behind the process that you're talking about. So if, you, you, if you're thinking in terms, how am I going to sell this product to 1,500 full-time employees that we have? So they can understand how this is work, going to work. Here's why it's working. Here's what it, what's in it for you. And here's how the business outcome should look. Now, there's three roles that we play in this model. First one being architect. In other words, we're designing the back to work model. And it says human centered design approach. You know what that means? Is that you're going out asking your employees to help you design it. And if you don't, you're gonna have what's called a design fail. You're not gonna hit bullseye because you didn't ask anybody. In other words, you thought you were the smartest person in the room. Here's a way to look at this. If you ever design an initiative, you think about who it's going to affect and go back to think about who's sitting in the room. If none of the people that's going to affect are sitting in the room, stop it, disband the meeting. Because the only way that you're gonna get have a higher probability of success, I gotta bring the people that's going to impact, in other words, the audience that's impacted, and I bring them into the design process. That's what that means. Partnering with the business to ensure that the right people are involved, sponsorships, whatever it is, stakeholders, plan for success, removing readiness and all that. So the architect is what we're at now. When I talk through the eight, that's an architectural version of, of post-virus. Architect is designing their plan, asking questions, focus groups, and you get all this information and you're kind of designing what the new work model is going to look like the new business environment is going to look like. You're designing the people's strategy so that your organization can be successful. So that's one anchor. The next anchor is broadcast. How are you going to communicate? So here's a way of looking at this. And this is a project I worked on in Singapore. We were looking to, to transition from the corner bank to the cloud bank. And we looked to see how many people, workforce implication was digital transformation. And then we, when we think, when we thought about what is the audience that was gonna be impacted, there were three to four job families. There were tellers. We had over a thousand of those. We had uh, customer service people. We had about 500 of those, 250 to 500. Branch managers, we had about 200. Why do I need to know those segments? Because when you communicate, you communicate to each segment as opposed to sending out a blanket email. Think of, think of how many times in your company that you've received emails and it has nothing to do with you. And this is why as you begin keep receiving emails from a human resource or whatever, you just delete it, you don't even read it because the majority of the time it does not affect you. But if we had to, to do an audience analysis to understand uh, each one of those audience levels, and we segment our communication to a specific audience, we hit bullseye each time. And that's what that talks about. Right information to communicate at the right segment. 
And that's a strategic plan, what we just talked through. You understand the different segments. Think of this. I could not send the same messaging on upskilling to tellers that I would send to branch managers. Branch managers may have a higher level of education because we had a certain design, uh, we had a certain job requirements for people to become a branch manager. And even the HR person was also involved in that because they would be affected. If we close down 100 branches, maybe the model was that one HRBP managed five branches and all of their people needs. Messaging has to be important and it has to be communicated throughout. The other is coaching. How many times scenario? Someone walks up to a manager and says, boss, what is this new thing that they're talking about? I received this email. I don't understand it. Can you tell me what that's about? And the manager says, don't even worry about it because human resources, they, they always come up with these ideas. Just wait for a while, they'll forget about it, and we just go back to normal. But as of not, don't even follow up with it. That happened because in that process, you never brought those people in the room. So here's a case study. This was in Bangkok. The HR department designed a new workflow process. And the workflow process was going to go live on Monday morning. And on Monday morning, they sent an email or whatever it was, type of communication. The manager saw it, and the manager started getting all of this workflow that should have gone to human resources. So it was as of Friday. Now all of a sudden, it's coming to them. And you know what they did? They revolted. So as we were trying to do a postmortem on that, my question will always go back to, Walk me, let's go back to the design uh, portion, okay? Give me the a list of people that were in the room when you were talking about design and what departments they came from. The answer was human resources, and who else was it? It was the technology people who designed the workflow process. You see where the problem with that was? They never asked the managers. They never went to that audience segment that it would be impacting more than any of the other segments inside of the organization. So the, that audience segment of those managers were never involved in trying to come up with a solution. In other words, they didn't understand why, why are we doing this now? Because before you did all of this and now you're asking me to do this. So if we were in the architectural phase, if we were to brought them in, they could have provided insight. And maybe they would say, this doesn't, why don't we do this? Or they maybe have given you some other solutions. So I said, who came up with this brilliant idea? Is this needed to change anyway? Was it that important? Because now you've alienated all the managers you have inside of the organization. And they were looking at me as if I had three heads. They didn't have a clue to, to answer that. And this is how we get into trouble because we never go and work through the model of industry challenge, business challenge, workforce implications, audience impact. The audience impact is going to provide the solution. Always will provide the solution in working through that. Here's the models of change. Um, uh, so the, the ABCs that we just talked about, architect, broadcaster, and coach, sits above these. ProSci at cars, five steps. Cotter is eight steps. PMI, I don't know that much about, but this is a slide that I came up with. Um, and that's more from a project management perspective they have. Um, but how do you manage change within the organization? And that's a key driver, you know, in, in, moving, in moving that forward. Now, this last slide here is create a journey map diagnostic is that 
if I were in inside of an organization, the day that we would have announced that we were closing down and moving to work from home, I would have chronicled that date, and that would have been the beginning of the experience. And then I would have, I would have figured out some way to start a weekend or two weeks in to going to people and said, how's it working? So if this is over, kind of like the CFO, uh, this, the CEO, I can look back and say, here's key points that came up, here's challenges here, here's challenges here. At every phase, I can give you kind of a breakdown as what popped up and what were the major challenges. It's still not too late to do that. And that's always a good way to capture things. You're captured in the time frame that it was. And here's a way it's looked at in a lot of organizations today. So you always try and onboard people, new employees, and we say the employee experience. We don't say the life cycle. Well, a lot of companies have gone back to their candidate experience. So candidate experience, when did they go to the website? When did they apply? What happens when they apply? Do we get back to them? Do we send a letter? What does the letter say? Does it explain what the next step is? If they go through all of this process that they interviewed and they didn't get a job, and we only offer it, have we ever gone back and asked them, how was it, can you give us some insight as to the process? Is our recruiting process? Does it work? What worked? What didn't work? What did you did not, what did you, uh, not like or what could we change moving forward? You can do a journey map on any process, and all it does is chronicle each milestone, and you capture data from each transition from one sector to the next sector, and you are able to sit back and look to see what it would needed to be done if I needed to change something and change something and, and, and move it forward. So this is what I was just talking about. Set objectives for the map, persona, define the goal, highlight the targets, list all the touch points, you capture information, and kind of like the CEO, He's doing this and nobody ever told him about a journey map. So you could use whatever you want. If it's just a, a matter of chronicling what happened during that time frame and during that period. And I'll end with this. Starbucks says we're in the people business serving coffee, not the coffee business serving people. So they want to be seen as for the people business and we just happen to serve coffee. From our side, business people approaching it from a business perspective, and we're using our expertise as it relates to human resources. And with that, that ends my presentation. And we want to now go to the Q&A portion. And let's just talk for a while. Nishad, are you around? Yes, yes, I'm here, yes. Okay, cool, we're now done for the presentation portion. Um, does anyone have any questions or thoughts or concerns or whatever it is? <clears throat> yes, we, we have a couple of questions from uh, the participants. You can uh, find them on, on questions. Do you see them over there? Okay. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Oh, wow, we have quite a few. Let's just talk through some of those. We may not be, get a chance to go through all of them, but let's just see what we have here. I'm going to go back to the beginning. Okay, some people, okay, left, left, left. Okay. Um, I think it's very, varies from business to business, like online education. 
Um, yeah, it, it modeling is done from different sectors, different businesses. How is it? Uh, what may affect me in the training business? Let's use the training business. The model flipped. Now everything has to be virtual. If you're in the hotel space, all hotels are closed. What is that going to look like going forward? So every business sector has been affected, some more so than others. Think of the airports. They were closed. What is that going to look like post-virus? They've been in the news. They're doing layoffs. They have a left if we get back on track. Security issues will always be an issue working alone. So that's as it relates to that. So here's something that came up on a call earlier today. Because of the business they were in, they had access to clients' credit information. And working in the workplace, they could access all that information. So if they're now working from home, what's the security level of that? That people may not be able, may be able to just capture from a screenshot or do a printout on it or Working from home, the security level is not as stringent. So that's think of the disruptors when we talked about the eight. So some of those are going to be developed from that side because if, if I'm in technology, security is always a big issue. That's why a lot of so I have a client in Zurich, and we when we do calls, we can't use Zoom because from the banking sector. Because of, of, of secrecy, I don't want to say secrecy, but because of the stringent level of security, there's been security flaws found in Zoom. So they, they're not going to use that. So that's one. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Always think of the, the context and the line of business you're in is going to determine your response. Manufacturing to an office environment, each one is different and each one would require certain things that are a little different. Is there any impact on JDs, which we currently have? So, so I'm gonna think that you, JDs as in job description, which we currently have, everything is gonna have to be reviewed. If you're looking to hire, say security people, what are we missing post-virus? Of what capability would we need to have both in bringing in new people or developing the people we have inside. So if you look at the challenges you're facing, what segment of that, and then you can always come back to job description, what's gonna to have to change. If I'm looking to hire HR people moving forward, I don't wanna hire an HR person that, that, that can just manage a process. I need to bring in people that are proactive. I need to bring in people that are problem solvers. I need to people who have a skill set who's always looking for solutions. I have enough process people. That's not a skill set that I'm going to need going forward. Okay, can I have a recording of the session? Uh, that I don't know. Unnecessary <laughs> office leasing were canceled and support working remotely home rather than laying off employees, especially after finding out that the employees, you know, you're right. Productivity was the same as working from home. So here's a business case. Uh, Farris, thank you for that. He's left already. Um, what, what, would it help if unnecessary office leasing were canceled, cost saving, 
and support working remotely from home rather than laying off employees? Make the business case. How do you develop a business case? CFOs, 70% are saying there's something with this working from home because a huge cost factor that I could save as a result of that. So that's a conversation that maybe you want to engage that leader. So I have a document here, and I'll send this out to Leah Ron. They can send it out. I'll send it out. It won't be tonight. Seven reasons why remote work is here to stay. And this will enable you over seven different points to make a business case surrounding it. And the first one is where I, where I saw the one about the CFO. Seventy-seven uh, percent of those people were looking to do that. So let's see what else we have. Can I have a record of this lecture? I'm sure you can. Do you think the workplace future is through webinar method? It's going to be a blend because my work is all working from model now, but my travel schedule starts in September. And once I leave and go to my Singapore office, I will be there off and on probably until December. And then I go back to New York. So, and everyone's talking now about, well, let's hold off and we'll start instructor-led in September. So companies are looking, so from what I'm gathering, September is kind of the time frame that everybody's hoping the fall of the year that we'll be able to get back on track as much as possible, specifically for interacting. Um, what is your opinion about HRBP model and which organization in the industry may fit? HRBP model, um, the same as, uh, so work from home. I just did that, but can I have the record? Future. HRBP model. Let me talk to that. What is your opinion about HRBP model? The HRBP model was developed to be a strategic advisor. So if I were to look at a job description from an HR business partner and the design, and I look at the HR business partner model from someone that just was promoted to HR business partner, they wouldn't have the skill sets to do it. Because the skill set for a strategic HR business partner is totally different. If you look at the model that I showed you, the competencies, that's an HR business partner model. You see one piece of process, and you see eight pieces of critical thinking, solutioning, building relationships. That's where the strategic HR business partner model comes in. But it's gotten so now people get promoted, and now all of a sudden you're HR business partner. But meanwhile, you're still doing process work. So imagine if you were to go out and hire people that were problem solvers, and you put the problem solvers inside of human resources. So they go out into that function, they talk to the leader sitting at top of that function and said, what are the key issues, the people issues that you're struggling with? They give you a list of three things. That's your three directives that you're gonna solve. And if those HR business partners would go out and work on that model, you could build a high performing workforce. But if you're so busy doing process stuff, nothing is going to change. So that really got out of hand in putting people into those roles because they equipped them with those roles. It's the same as kind of giving someone a, a role as a vice president and you don't understand vice president needs and how you're supposed to be driving that from a vice pre president's perspective. Uh, okay, can't hear well, I hope. Do you recommend to create employee engagement process? 
employee engagement process is going to be very important going forward and pulsing to see what the people are feeling. Work-life balance, well, is the model working? Because if we solve all those and people can work from home or people can choose the model they want, people are more engaged because it's, I'm getting everything I want. I'm able to do this, I'm able to do this, I can spend more time. I don't spend two hours a day commuting back and forth to work. I finish work, I close my computer, I walk out into the other room, my family is there, everything. The only way you're gonna know that is you start pulsing people now. And I would wanna pulse people before I came up with my people plan, because otherwise I may miss target. Um, thank you. How can I get a certificate? Um, so Leah Ron will cover that. Success in my business, less equipment. How can I succeed in my business with less equipment? Uh, I don't know that because you're going to need technology. I don't know the less equipment you're talking about. Um, less equipment. So there's certain things you need. You need good bandwidth and you need a, you know, a laptop because you can't take around the desktop in doing that. Based on the new norm, do you think human resource will have new responsibility or roles which wasn't there before COVID? Yes. Uh, your roles have changed. The business needs a different HR department going forward. There's no way around it. There's no way to get around that because the business is going to need more. When I showed you the pie, what would you say when you come into that big meeting and talking through all the strategies? Because everybody else is going to come and equip because they're already business people and they align it to business cases and they and they understand the industry. They understand the future as much as we can understand the future, and they can come in and do that. And if we come in there and talk in HR speak, they're gonna run us out of the room, well, not run you out of the room, but it will have no impact. And that's how we got behind the eight ball because we've never delivered from that vantage point. Performance management trends will have to be redone or rethought because I'm not, a lot of managers will say, I need to be face-to-face. -face. Well, you don't really need to be face-to-face. -face. If I'm, if your deliverables is what we're gauging people by and you're delivering, why should I care? Or why should the organization care? But maybe every, every process you have, you should evaluate. I'd look at every, um, every, I don't want to say perk, but you know how you have, you have all these different things, um, you know, how many days you get off. I look at, you have to look at every one of those now because the virus could impact it. So start taking the time and doing it now. And you may find that some of them are no longer appropriate because of the new environment. I'm here, thanks. Should we re-engineer our process, procedures and policies now? Be aggressive and start on it now. Start on it now so that post-virus you'll have it. Start working on it now. And thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Um, certificate will be sent. And that's it, folks. That's all the questions we've gone through. Um, uh, I don't have anything else to cover. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much, Ron, for, for uh, this amazing delivery. Uh, right now, I'll be closing closing the event, I'll have a couple of words to share with, with the participants.
uh, they're all on behalf of Leoron, Mr. Ron Thomas, and myself. It's been a grand pleasure to have you today, as uh, we are honored that you're that you attended the HR leadership in time of uh, times of crisis webinar. We hope that uh, we have met and exceeded your expectations, and you have gained as much value from this experience as possible. As uh, per Mr. Mr. Ron, uh, Ron Thomas's delivery, and um, uh, we have a few upcoming projects with him, including the live virtual training, uh, the C, uh, strategic HR business partner program, certification program happening next week from 21st until 23rd of July. We hope that some of you will consider to join us in uh, this upcoming program. It will be uh, an utmost pleasure welcoming you again. Feel free to contact us for any details. We hope that uh, you have enjoyed the webinar today and uh, that our collaboration will not end here. Have a lovely evening uh, ahead and stay safe. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.